Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is January 27, and our chapter is the book of Exodus, chapter 1. Today we are entering into the second book of the Torah. Of the five books of Moses, Exodus is the second. Let me say to you by way of reminder that the book Exodus, as we call it, is named from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. The T stands for Torah, the N for Nebiim, the K for Ketuvim, and that means the Law, that is the Book of Instruction, the first five books of Moses, the Nebiim, the Prophets, the Nevi'im, Nebi or Nevi is the word for prophet. Im on the end of a Hebrew word as this is plural, the Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Ketuvim, which is the writings. And you can go back through some of my podcasts that were in the earlier months, and you can find out all about the Tanakh. The T, N, and K are the representative continents that begin these words that I just gave to you. A is the predominant vowel. You put an A in between the T and the N and the N and the K, and you have Tanakh. That's the word that is used to describe what we call the books of the Old Testament. So sometimes I will use the word Tanakh. Sometimes I will use the two words Old Testament but they're referring to the same books. In the Tanakh, in the Torah, which means instruction, not law, the word Torah means instruction, this is the second book of Moses. And it's called the Echodas. Ek is the Greek preposition for out or out of. And then Hodas is the word for way. It's the word for path is the word for road. And so the echodas is the way out. It's the story of the way out or the road out of Egypt. Now, the Hebrew is much more simple, just like breshit is the word, the first word of the Bible, the first word of the book of Genesis, breshit in the beginning. Well, so the first word of Exodus, the second book is shemot, shemot. And that is the word for these are the names of. And when you look at Exodus chapter 1 and verse 1, now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob. And it starts at Reuben and it goes all the way through all of the children of Jacob of Israel. And the reason is, is because it's very important that we see from small beginnings that God raised up a great nation. And God brings this up to the children of Israel over and over and over again, that he did not choose them because they were the largest of all the people, the most plentiful or the greatest or the smartest or for any other reason. Because the scripture says they were a stiff-necked, rebellious people. No, God chose them out of his sovereignty and out of his love. He set his love upon them. 
and he called them through the seed of Abraham. And God had told Abraham that he would go down into a strange land, that his descendants would be there for 400 years, and then after 400 years, he would bring them out with a strong and mighty hand. And so that's exactly what he did. He did not bring them out simply as just another nation. There were at least two million that came out, and they went in as a very small people, and they came out a mighty nation. Not only did they come out a mighty nation as far as the number of people, but they came out a very wealthy nation, a rich nation, because the Bible says that God granted them favor with all of the Egyptians, and basically they paid them to get out. And so they came out with gold and silver and garments and all kinds of animals and herds and flocks, and God blessed them in every way. So they were brought out of Egypt as a multitude and also as a wealthy group of people that came out by God's miraculous hand. And the book of Exodus is the recording of that. And when you start through chapter 1, you get the sense of what had happened. Time had passed, and now more than 300 years had passed. And the scripture says in verse 8, Now there arose a new king, a new pharaoh, who did not know Joseph, who had forgotten all that Joseph had done and that these Hebrew people had been blessed and Joseph, this was his family and Pharaoh had been saved and all of Egypt had been saved and God had done a miraculous thing through Joseph. But as is the case so many times, it's not what have you done for me, but what have you done for me lately? And many of you have experienced this yourself in a lesser way in your own life. But Joseph had saved the nation, but they forgot him. This happens in nations. We forget where we came from. We forget the sacrifices that others have made, how people have worked hard. And and we just need to remember that we're standing on the shoulders of others when we are able to have what we have and do what we do. And so Pharaoh made all of the children of Israel to be slaves, and they began to be used to build the great cities and all of the monuments to the Pharaohs. And then the scripture says in verse 15, something happened that was in the providence of God that God would use to raise up a deliverer. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, that is, those who were taking care of the newborns and delivering the babies, of whom the name of one was Shifra and the other was Pua. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on their birthing stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and they give birth before the midwives come to them. 
Now, often people will say, well, that was just an outright lie. Well, maybe so, maybe not. The reality is Pharaoh didn't pursue this, so whatever it was, he believed it, and it had some realism to it. There were a lot of birthings going on, and these women feared God. It is, I believe, the case where they allowed those children to be born, and when a person is giving birth, when a woman is giving birth to her baby, she is exhausted. She is just trying to deliver, and it would be very easy for a midwife to kill the child. But I'll tell you, after that birth experience and that mother has hold that baby, it's going to take an army to get that baby from her and from her grasp and her arms. And so I believe that exactly what they were saying is true, that God gave them grace and And because these women feared God more than they did Pharaoh, that's what the Bible says for sure, that God allowed these women to conveniently be late so that the birth would already take place and they could just help them out. And so whatever the case was, Pharaoh did not pursue it because in all likelihood, these women were telling the truth. And God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, because the midwives feared God, he provided them households for them. Then the Bible says that Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you will save alive. Well, this is getting us ready for the story of Moses. Now, I know many of you cannot think of the Exodus with Without thinking of Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. Well, I want you to watch that, listen to it, then disregard almost everything in it because there is a lot of it that is just not Bible. But I do believe that Charlton Heston may be Moses. I'm not sure. But at any rate, most of what we know that Hollywood produced in this great epic is just simply not going along with the Scripture. They did their research. There's a lot of it that has been handed down through history. It was a tremendous movie. But many times people will come up to me and say, well, you know, this is what happened in the book of Exodus. And they'll tell me something that happened in the Ten Commandments. And I'll say, where did you get that? And they will say, well, I think it was in the Bible. And I'll say, well, I think it was Cecil B. DeMille that came up with that. And they will go back, and sure enough, it is. All I would say is go back and reread the story because there's a lot of things there that sometimes we pass over and think we know that we don't. We're going to read a very familiar story over the next few weeks. And out of the 40 chapters of Shemot, what we call Exodus, we are only going to read about 17 chapters, I think, but some of the greatest stories in all of the Bible we're going to go over in the next few days. So I hope that you'll join me as we walk on the way together and as we learn the scriptures and the story of the Exodus. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.